And we are back with the Illennials Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. And we are here again doing uh, doing this podcast, doing this thing we do where we talk about all kinds of uh, crazy shit from the, a political perspective, mostly. The wacky world that we're living in. Brought <laughs> to you live. Live, yes. We do. Yes. We Via do a recording that you download a day later. <laughs> Sometimes a day later. Sometimes I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit slow on the the editing yeah, process. Sometimes our goddamn lazy ass editor won't get shit out on time. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a challenge, you know. Sometimes I have to edit it out to make you sound less dumb, and that's always a challenge to edit mm-hmm. around that. And you make yourself sound more smart. Yeah, I do so much. I'm more smart. Yeah, that's what I do. Yes. <laughs> uh. So, Seth, uh, what you been up to this week? What's been going on? Oh, man, so many things. I, uh... Ooh, I played a, played a video game. Always one. Did that, uh, Octopath Traveler. Oh, you you got that. How is it? Yeah, so I'm only... I'm still only on my first character's storyline. And people who don't know, it's called Octopath because there's eight people, and you play as each one of them in their own story or whatever. Um, so I'm playing through the first one. I haven't played a whole lot of game. I've only played like two or three hours uh, like after work and stuff. But yeah, it's fun. It's a nice little... It's, it's actually one of the only games so far that I have on Switch that I, I like to play on the Switch and not like on the TV because it's kind of like a, a cool little handheld RPG. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. It's very nice. The, the dialogue is very nice. The, the like animations are all pretty cool. The music is really good. So yeah, it's got all the... All the trappings of a good JRPG without a lot of the, like, crazy fluff mechanics that you get with some of those games. How's the combat? It's fun. I'm having trouble, like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm looking at it and I can't really tell. I can always see my HP, but I can't always see my enemy's HP. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know how close I am to the fight being over. Um, that, that but overall. Classic, you know, most, most JRPGs back in the day didn't have you see the enemy's HP. Yeah, but overall, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. I've played as I'm starting out as the Huntress character, so there is a lot more combat. Um, but yeah, it's pretty nice. I've been playing uh, No Man's Sky now that it's really updated in the next uh, update. Yeah, it's uh it's very interesting now. I'll tell you, I'll say that it's like people before the game came out uh, didn't really know what kind of game it was gonna be, uh, other than like fly around and look at shit in, in this space setting. And that's because there wasn't much game to, to do in, in No Man's Sky. And now there is. And the game that it is, is crafting. It is is basically, if you like Minecraft, you will like uh, No Man's Sky. Because it's crafting and building, or it's two big things now. And the crafting in the game has changed to where it's, it's more complicated. Uh, but it's also more efficient. So, like, uh, making the stuff uh, out of raw materials... And then using those materials is more efficient than just shoving. Like it used to be, the game and the game game came out to like fuel your engine. You had to shove plutonium into it. Well, now you don't do that. Now you craft an energy cell out of several materials and put that in your engine, which adds an extra step. But at the same time, that energy cell lasts a lot longer than that plutonium did. So you have to do a little more upfront work, but you have more reward on it. So, and then of course it added in like base building and all that stuff so it's 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 it's, it's, there's definitely a game there now it needs some more work there's definitely a game i heard that it was it's like it's got a lot more stuff for multiplayer and uh just a lot more shit to do which is a good thing you can get four people in there now it's pretty good and you can actually see each other right you just like see like a spark of light 
And that was after, that was way after the game came out in the first place. Um, yeah. As everyone remembers, No Man's Sky was a very hyped game. Everybody was, like, really fucking ready for it to come out and thought it was going to be great. And it turned out that a lot of that stuff we thought was going to be the game wasn't actually there. Yeah. And so they... But Garbo. I, I'll give them credit. A 15-person crew uh, at Hello Games has spent two years turning No Man's Sky from a disaster into a pretty good game. Yeah, I'm glad they've been able to stay afloat for that long. That's actually pretty cool and kind of rare in the games industry. So, yeah, it's nice to have them, to see that they're able to try and make this comeback at least so they didn't just, like, get canned. Yeah. According to what I've seen, they got a ton of pre-orders uh, for the game and used that, essentially, for the last two years to fuel a ton of free updates, which, you know, uh, I gotta say, if you're going to fucking, uh, if you're going to fucking uh, do what they did... Um, at least they spent two years making good and being uh, and, and, and putting out free updates to fix. Yeah, what free was updates. Wrong. That's kind of what I think I've said them a little bit because if they would have, God, if they would have tried to charge people for these updates, it would have been dead in the water. Oh but, yeah, they would have been fucking laughed out of the room. But yeah, but they're doing it right. So good on them. Good on Hello Games. Yeah, yeah. Just don't, just don't let Sean Murphy talk anymore. He needs to. I don't have a problem with the guy like some people did. I'm not like a death threats kind of person, but like, uh, yeah, he let his passion for the game sometimes uh, override his mouth, I guess. Oh, is he the one that made all those big promises? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely him. He was the guy that was always talking about how you're going to like see sandworms and it's going to be multiplayer, and it's like, uh, not necessarily true. So maybe don't let him talk too much. Uh, cool. But have you have you seen uh, the new uh, Mission Impossible movie yet? I have not. I uh, I am sadly I'm actually a, a pretty big fan of Mission Impossible movies. I really like them. Yet I have still haven't seen Rogue Nation, which is a little old. And I do want to see Fallout. I actually have a friend who wants to go see it tomorrow, so I might watch Rogue Nation tonight and then go see Fallout. Um, I've heard it's very good though. I also have not seen it. I don't know. Oh, I wrote well. it up. I did watch Rogue Nation a while back, and I'll say this, okay? Rogue Nation was not as good as Ghost Protocol. Of course. Most movies aren't. It's like, Ghost Protocol was like the perfect spy thriller action film, and I mean, and here's the thing, Rogue Nation, not bad. Not a bad movie by any estimation, but just like, I felt the whole time like, this could, this could have been better, right? This could have been, but Ghost Protocol is such a high, high bar to clear. Yeah. And I will so, give a shout-out for a movie I did see this week. Oh, yeah. Um, small, independent film made by my all-time favorite comedian, Bo Burnham, uh, called Eighth Grade. It's a very small, very nice movie um, about this girl who's in eighth grade. She has confidence issues. She tries, like, she makes like YouTube videos trying to give people advice, even though she's not really that confident of a person in her own life. Um and it's an it's just a it's a very very quaint film. It's there's moments that are uproariously funny. There's moments that are super uncomfortable and very real. And there's moments that are sad. There's moments that are nice. And it's just it was ninety minutes of just I was very very interested in what was going on on the screen. It was good. Sounds pretty cool. I like yeah. it. And give a big shout out for to Bo Burnham. Because it's about people in 8th grade. He cast the people who are actually 8th grade age, which was a great thing. 
And the main character even has, like, an actress that has, actually has, like, acne and stuff. Like, an actual eighth grader. So, yeah, good on them for making a movie that's pretty true to life as far as the ages of the characters and how people actually look when they're that old. That's cool. Yeah. It's a really good movie. I, it's like how I want to watch uh, A Quiet Place. And I read about it. Apparently, the actress who plays a, a girl in the movie who's deaf is actually deaf in real life. Yeah, which is, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's all these people. Yeah, she, about she made life. herself deaf for the role. No, I don't. <laughs> she, she, she read about it and she she knocked her ears out. Knocked her ears out. That's, <laughs> that's how you become deaf. When I was a kid, I thought if you got your ears cut off, you would become deaf. Mm. How do you hear out. stuff without your ears? Well, the ear just kind of, like, is there for aesthetic purposes. It has no evolutionary goal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, like, shapes the sound, I guess, and, like, mm. modulates. You can't like hear my as sound well. Shaped. You can't hear as well without it, but you can still hear. You can still hear. Cool. You'd look real fucking without ears, wouldn't you? Yeah, I actually went to school my whole life with this girl who only had one ear. Um, she actually finally got surgery for her missing ear, like, near the end of our high school times, but yeah. And, I mean, it did look kind of weird, to be honest. What ha- what happened to her ear? I-, I think she was born without it. Oh. That sucks. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but yeah, it's, yeah, it was there. Dude, imagine if you needed glasses. Yeah, I guess they'd have to make some special ones that, like, not adhere, but, like, uh, Oh, dude, you'd wear, you'd wear wraparounds forever. You'd what? You'd wear wraparounds forever. Or you'd just get contacts. That's true. I can't use contacts. I can't touch my eyeball. Yeah, I can't touch my eyeball. That's the freakiest shit in the world. No way. Nothing's not going to happen. I've also, actually punched an optometrist before yeah. for touching my eye. I also don't like the idea of this weird, like, invisible thing sitting on the outside of my eyeball. Uh, like, we're, we could go anywhere, you know? I'm not a fan of that. It could go anywhere. Right, yeah. What's to stop it from, like, sliding back behind my eyeball into the inside of my head? I mean, it happens to people, but it's not insanely common as it's long as you don't fall asleep with them on it's a scary thought and yes i sleep a lot so i uh i take naps i'm popping things out all the time take the glasses off it's good it's also sometimes i think glasses are uh uh, uh help people look uh, uh look not quite as a uh, horrendous otherwise my glasses do oh you think they, you think they make you look less horrendous yes hmm Without them, I look like an ogre. With them, I, I look think, like a slightly more intelligent ogre. I think you've reached the max level of terribleness. <laughs> and you can't really get... Nothing really adds or subtracts to it. I don't know, man. I look myself in the mirror with that glasses on, and it's... Uh, it's... it's oh, boy. I mean, I agree. Without glasses, I do look like a fucking crazy person. Uh, <laughs> Madman. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just because people wear glasses for so long. Because, I mean, I've been wearing them for like over 12 or 13 years now. And, I mean, I think your face just kind of shapes to them, you know? Like, yeah. So, I think like, people who go without them after a while, they look kind of weird until their face flattens back out. <laughs> hey, you know what? To bring it back to politics, glasses should be free. Oh, yeah. All the all, all things that people need should be free. So Glasses, clothes, houses, uh, food, obviously. Water. water. All that stuff. Should just be free. We have the ability to give it to you for free. We have the power. But, you know, they choose not to. to They're withholding. Yeah, to to enrich people who, who like, have those resources, right? To, to make them richer uh, at our expense. Yeah. And that sucks. Don't do that. Yeah, we should, uh... 
Like, yeah, I think you, you sent, this week you sent me this great uh, Futurama reference. Mm-hmm. Where, whatever his name is, I always forget the character. He's like, I don't understand. Why does the proletariat, the largest of the two classes, not simply eat the other one? Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. Why don't we? It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, um, I mean, I guess it's all, it's what it is, class consciousness, right? We gotta develop class consciousness for people who realize that you're never, like, we're not going to get rich, right? You're, you're not going to strike it big and make it, make it rich. You're not gonna, ha- it's not gonna happen. You're gonna stay yeah, unless poor. I, unless I win the lottery. That's it. And even then, most lottery winners lose it all. That's true. And so, it's like, uh... People, like, I've heard this phrase used before that people in America think of themselves not as poor, but as temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Yep. And it's like, nah, dude, you're you're not going to get rich. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not something that just happens to people. And then people from the opposite end, there are plenty of people who are like, well, if you implement socialism, you'll make everybody poor. Um, because you'll bring, because you'll take the money from the rich and give it to the poor. And I'm like... Well, no, you wouldn't make everyone poor. You'd provide the services necessary so that everyone could live the life a rich person can live without having to have the wealth accumulation, you know? Yeah, you'd make everyone equal. If everyone's poor, and if everyone's poor or everyone's rich, no one's poor or rich. You're equal. Right. And it's just like, we don't want to make everyone poor, make everyone rich, we want to make everyone have a decent standard of living, an acceptable life, um... And to do that, you're going to have to get rid of the parasites at the top who who hoard everything there for themselves. Yep. There's just no way around it. Workers' revolution now, you know? Speaking of workers' revolution, Mm -hmm. you got a good topic for this week. I think it's pretty much what every leftist is going to be talking about uh, uh, for a week or so, which is that... uh, that, uh, Wildcat Strike that took place in uh, Indianapolis, I believe, um, filmed by a guy and, and also commentated on by a guy named Antoine Dangerfield uh, about... Great name. Oh, yeah, perfect name. Uh, from what I can gather, from what his interview was in The Jacobin, he uh, uh, they have um, a lot of migrant workers, a lot of, uh, of Hispanic workers on, uh, on staff, and they have a safety manager, I believe, who is known to be kind of a racist guy. And he's always, like, apparently harassing the Hispanic workers and taking pictures of them and stuff like that, trying to get them fired. And there was a meeting where their translator was not present, so he asked one of the, the, the Hispanic workers to translate for him, sort of saying some, some, some shit, and the guy refused to translate. So he said, okay, well, you're fired. And he fired some more guys. And the Mexicans got together and were like, uh, no, we're not going to take this shit, and they all walked off the job. And yes. they did that, and everyone followed. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's fucking worker solidarity, man. It's like, it's like you can't treat us like this, and we're going to show you why you can't do it, because if you don't, if you, if you fuck with us, we will walk away, and you won't do anything today. Yeah, and you're going to be the one who loses money, and all that. And it was really, it was a really, not only was it an awesome clip because it showed worker solidarity, it was also just a good viral clip because Antoine Dangerfield is a very funny man. And yeah. it just it just makes a lot of like really really like hyped up comments about the whole thing about how they're all sticking together, and they're shutting the whole place down, um, and yeah, it's cool to actually see that in action. And I mean, it's I mean it's great that it happened. I think it needs to happen in more places with not just like 
Because like if you look at that video, it's more. It's not like a lot of them are migrant workers. It's like ninety nine percent are migrant workers. Mm-hmm. So they all had at least some connection, like some one thing they all have in common. They're all migrant workers. We need that to happen in places where it's not just that. We're not. We don't. Everyone doesn't. Doesn't have the same common ground. It needs to happen no matter what. Like no matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. If somebody's being treated wrong, you all need to stop working. Yeah, I agree. And, and this is a step in the right direction. It's like, uh, it's not just the fact that they're migrant workers. It, sh- it shouldn't be. It should be that we're all workers, and they can't treat yes. us like this. And according to Antoine Dangerfield, after that happened, everybody left. Like, the workers who weren't migrant, too, left. Yeah. Um, because, they, first of all, you can't work without the without everyone being there, basically, or a certain number. And also because, you know, fuck this. Uh, they walked off. We're going to walk off, too. And... To your, to your comment about him being a very entertaining guy, I agree. And it's like, I don't know that Antoine Dangerfield is a Marxist. I don't think he is, or he's read Marx. Or I, I don't know. But you can read all the theory you want. But it's very dry, I would say. And he put those concepts into a very understandable, uh, a relatable way that is entertaining, but just like it's something that everyone can understand regardless of how much Marx you've read, you know? Yeah, exactly, and yeah, he, he doesn't seem to be politically unaware. In it, like in this interview, he did he you know he made a lot of points that I feel like you know people on the left try to make, um, but he did it from a very he did it from a very very good working man's perspective, um, and I, I kind of hope that we get to hear more from this guy in, in the future because he's he's actually very smart and he's very cool, and it might be might be a good voice for uh, for uh, workers in America. Yeah, it's like uh, it's. Uh... The title of the, of the article on uh, Jacobin is uh, uh, We Rise Together, Homie, which is something that he said in, in the video. Yeah. And it's very appropriate because we do, in fact, you know, rise together. Yeah, and uh, uh, sadly, the sad part of the story, I heard that Antoine was fired. Yeah, they tried to bribe him with $250 video now. 250 That's it? Yeah, that's it. What? And that's like that's just on the cusp of being important ass money, but like it's not like two fifty is still like no fuck you five million views two hundred fifty dollars I don't think so. Get the word out, you know. Yeah, and also taking the video down wouldn't do very much at this point because everyone who's gonna see it has seen it. That's true, and it's probably been mirrored somewhere too. Yeah, so that's just dumb. But yeah, he lost his job, which kind of sucks. But I'm sure he'll land on his feet. He's a smart guy. I just want to point out, by the way, that two hundred fifty dollars. It reminds me so much of the first purge, trying to give him $5,000 to stay on the island and participate. Yep. That, it's like almost the same thing. Capital's exactly. trying to bribe you. Yep. It's u- using your capital to make you less of a person, basically. Yeah. But my favorite quote from the article that he, that he said was uh, uh, this right here. A uh, quote from Ant- Antoine Dangerfield. We're the ones, the workers. We make the heads get rich. Treating us lesser than isn't even cool. We're the reason the hub was getting built. Ain't no owners out there in their hard hats. We're the ones putting our our life on the line. So you gotta respect us. And that's right. Yeah. It's something we talk about all the time on this podcast is the people, the proletariat, the workers, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones who have to put in the hard work to let these guys at the top get rich. And those guys effectively, no matter how you want to define what their job is, they effectively do nothing. 
um, and they get all the benefits from what's done by actual hard workers. And there would be no problem with there being a, a boss, a guy at the top, or whatever, if people at the bottom were still being treated as if they were doing, if they were actually achieving what they are achieving. Like they're they're the ones making everything happen, so they should get compensated and they should get benefits. They should get treated that way. I feel like you're, the boss should be elected. They should be yes. someone that you vote for. Yes, the boss should be chosen or should have some kind of real deep connection to the workers to know what they want, how they should be treated, and should obviously have a much lower salary. And should be, and should be accountable as well. Yes. Like, you should be able to tell... Like, you know how we get performance reviews at our jobs? Yeah. We should be able to give our managers a review too. Yeah. Anonymously. <laughs> You definitely don't want them to know what you think of them, uh, like, for real. But you should be able to tell them what you think, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've worked at jobs where that's been, that's been a thing, where it's been like, all right, well, you're going to now review us. And it's like, uh, I'm not going to say anything too crazy because I don't want to lose my job. Yeah, that's the one problem is, because like, even, if, even if I was at a job where they said that it was an anonymous thing, I still don't know if I would believe them. Oh yeah, for sure. So Not you know, you really, you still really can't speak your mind. Um. So by the way, did you see this cursed image that has been going around the internet for a little bit? Which one? Just once. I wish my employees would say. Oh yes, yes, yes. This is disturbing to say the least. There are some amazing things on here. What's your favorite one? Have you, would you remember your favorite one? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. I've I've got it saved somewhere here. I like this um, one right here. I canceled my vacation plans. I'd rather be at work. That's just... That defeats the whole purpose of having vacation time or any of that kind of stuff. I yeah. think my favorite one... God, I can't find the image. Oh, yeah, here it is. My favorite one was... Uh, I really don't need a raise. My review alone was more than enough. Oh, boy. And then there's another one, I can't find it right now, but there's another one that was saying, um, given the choice to keep working here, I would gladly accept a cut in pay. Oh my god. How about, uh, I can't believe how much money you pay me, do you want some back? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> or, uh, or, uh, what's this one right here? It says, um, we decided to work this weekend to get ahead. Fuck you. This was spotted at a Dairy Queen. Is that a Dairy Queen? Yeah, this was spotted at a fucking Dairy Queen. Ew. What do you... It's only a plot about Dairy Queen, you know? Yeah. People at Dairy Queen don't get vacation days. And they and they work weekends anyways. Yeah, and you can't get ahead. No. That's not how... That's not how fast food works. But my favorite one here that I do... This one I actually do like is... Why don't you go home early? We have everything under control. Yeah, we do have everything under control. Fuck you. Yeah, get out of here, buddy. You shouldn't get a... It says the thing. Workers can regulate themselves. They don't... Bosses are irrelevant and useless now, so they can fuck off. Yep. It's like on... There's an episode of... There's an episode of The Office where there's there's a time where like Michael had left there was no boss they and then like the ceo asked jim if he wants to be the boss and he's like no 
uh, we're actually doing really well without a boss. We kind of just, you know, regulate ourselves, and it's uh, going really well, actually. Yeah, that, that episode's kind of low-key, like, I mean, anarchist, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, we, we, we figured it out. You actually don't need a boss. Turns out, boss is kind of unnecessary. Um, but I, so right. here, here's the thing I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. Since you're our guy on this on this front. Uh, I heard a little bit that was going on this week where uh, apparently LeBron James is beefing with Donald Trump. And I want to know about this. Well, okay, we'll, we'll start with this. Is that LeBron James is probably one, not probably, he's the most politically active uh, basketball player in history, I'd say. Um, he has voiced his disdain for Donald Trump since the campaign, since the election, since all of this. He's never been a fan. Um, but before we talk about the beef, let's talk about the other big LeBron James news that happened this week um, that's stemming off from this beef. Okay. So uh, let me pull up a, a picture here. So LeBron James opened up his own school in Ohio, Akron, Ohio, named the I Promise School. And the, what, what he provides to the students is free tuition, free uniforms, free bicycle and helmet, free transportation within two miles, free breakfast, lunch, and snacks, uh, food pantry for families, GEDs and job placement services for parents of the people who go there, and guaranteed tuition to the University of Akron for every student who graduates from this school. Wow, that is crazy. And LeBron James, one man, has by himself, has achieved kind of a leftist paradise. I mean, this is definitely a leftist project. I mean, there's no way yes. around it. Exactly. He had to be a man who's worth almost $500 million to do it, but he's done it, and it's very amazing. And, I mean, it's it's honestly insane that this is real, and it's insane that the only, only people in the country who can do something with this are the, the insanely wealthy and not our own government. Yeah. Like, this is something that LeBron James had to work his whole fucking life just to do when this should be provided to us anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, bright sides of the story, obviously, the I Promise School is a great idea. I hope it works out very well for LeBron. Uh, two, we have discovered that there are some mega rich people out there who have the right idea. So, good on LeBron for actually trying to put his capital towards something that's, you know, going to achieve a great goal. And here's one thing I'll say about that. I am Go not ahead. saying that, that that this is totally cool to be rich, right? Yeah. It's not. But in the case of an athlete, um, an athlete is one of the people that I can think of who probably exploits people the least to get their money. I mean, the, the people who pay them obviously are exploiting people um, below them to make their money and then pay them that money. But it seems to me like athletes are uh, not quite on the same level as like a capitalist themselves, you know? Yeah. And I'll say this. One of the reasons that I'm entirely fine with athletes getting paid the salary they do is because athletes are, are exploiting somebody, and it's the mega rich. That's the only true. reason athletes have big salaries is because these super wealthy guys who own these teams are like, yeah, I want to pay this guy $200 million for five years because I want him to win championships for me. Mm-hmm. So that's the, yes, the athletes are great because they're exploiting rich people, and yeah, any of them, anyone who has their money, it's because some pig wanted to give it to them. So, good on them for exploiting these idiots. Cool. Um. So yeah, and then uh, 
after all this I Promise School stuff came out and LeBron was doing interviews and everything, he did an interview with uh, Don Lemon. Don Lemon's on what? Fox or CNN? CNN, I believe. CNN. Um, which, we don't talk about Don Lemon. He's a weird guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he said some questionable stuff. Um, but whatever. LeBron does an interview with him. And in the interview, um, LeBron makes uh, declares his disdain for Donald Trump once again and talks about how, you know, he, he even kind of says, you know, his school is something that should be done anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that, you know, he says that Donald Trump doesn't try to work towards and only tries to fight back from. Um, so then Donald Trump surprisingly makes a tweet response to this. Oh, man. And I don't have the tweet pulled up right now, but basically it was like LeBron James did an interview with the worst man in all of history of no, the journalism. D- the dumbest man on television, Don yeah. Lemon. Dumbest man on television, Don Lemon whatever lebron's wrong and then said i like mike more meaning it, I, I like michael jordan more i would say it took me like five minutes to know who the fuck mike was i was like well, what are you talking mike yeah. for say mj or something right who calls yeah. him mike <laughs> is he um, trying to do an i like ike thing because it's like 60 years too late for that shit yeah, dog. i like mike more like as if as if that was even the argument it's not we're not talking about who's the greatest basketball player of all time. We're talking about, you know, fucking trying to provide people with the shit they need. Right. Um, but the story got a development yesterday um, in that Michael Jordan responded saying he's on LeBron James' side. And he supports LeBron James and all the stuff he's doing with his new, with his new school. Um, so, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Mike doesn't like you either, buddy. <laughs> um. I'm pretty sure yeah. fuck Donald Trump is the least controversial thing they ever said on the show. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is going to happen forever. I mean, a very, I mean, what I think is a very interesting is how um, sports specifically have been dealing with um, Donald Trump because sports in America, it's no secret, um, have several, several, several popular and skilled players who you know are black or are minorities and. Don't really support Donald Trump because he doesn't want to treat them equally. Um, and it's been playing out for a long time. I mean, it, you know, the Colin Kaepernick thing happened uh, a year ago. Um, he was kneeling for the national anthem, and it was, you know, a terrorist-level threat against our freedom in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and now um, they're treating – I mean, Kaepernick almost doesn't exist anymore because because of this thing. In fact – in the new uh, Madden 19 video game, um, rapper YG uh, has a song on it called uh, Big Bank. And in the song, he, refer- he uh, references uh, Colin Kaepernick, and they censored it for Madden 19. What? They censored Colin Kaepernick's name out of the song. What the fuck? Yeah. So then y- and YG heard it because he didn't know this was going to happen. And he-, he said no one on his team approved this at all. There's no paper trail for this. So now they're having to patch. They're patching the game to add the lyric with Colin Kaepernick's name back in. Those fuckers. Yeah. Is Kaepernick um, even playing now? Uh, I think he, he might be a bench position right now. I can't. I don't remember. I don't. I don't keep up with football that much. Damn. Um. But yeah. So that basically killed that man's career just because he wanted to fucking stand up for people in this country. Um. And yeah, and it's been playing out a lot. Like I um. So far, every NBA team who has won the championship since he started, which is only, I mean, only one, the Golden State Warriors, have now twice declined to go to the White House to meet Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, obviously, if 
LeBron's Lakers win, they're not going to go see Donald Trump in the White House. And yeah, it's it's interesting how yeah how this is all playing out. Um, how sports like sports a- athletes, these people who actually have a tremendous amount of like social equity in this country, um, are deciding to finally use their voice and uh, really this is really bringing out a, a different side of uh, the athletes that we look up to a lot. So yeah, good good on them for you know trying to use what they have to you know take take down some of these uh, pigs. I'm not a fan of like idolizing uh, uh, celebrities and, and athletes and whatnot, but I do recognize they have an incredible amount of social, uh, you know, influence on people. Right? People do listen to them. They follow them on Twitter. They see them on TV. They read their fucking words on the internet in various ways. And so, getting them to say things that are politically, you know, uh, of uh, I guess good is going to help us in the long run, even if they are not necessarily people that I think we should be, uh, 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 you know, not, not, not we shouldn't be fans of them, but, like, base our politics around what they believe. Um, but it's good to see them get the message out there that I agree with anyways. Yeah. Because LeBron's school, like you said, this should be the model for how schools work. Yeah, this shouldn't be something that is revolutionary. This should just be a school. Like, our government can do this and so much more with the power that it has. Yeah. And I did see an interesting tweet here that I wanted to bring up with you. Mm -hmm. um, From uh, Scott Galloway on Twitter, uh, which reads, Wealthiest man in basketball, LeBron, builds tuition-free school in Akron, Ohio. Wealthiest man in the world, Bezos, runs contest HQ2 to extract tax breaks from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. How fucked up is that? And it, and it's funny because, like I said, LeBron's worth around like five hundred million, depending on how you want to slice it. And Jeff Bezos is worth worth like hundred and sixty billion. Yeah. And just look at how they're using their money and using what has been given. I mean, literally, LeBron is using what has been given to him because of actual fucking raw talent that he's not only born with but had to work with and work on his whole fucking life. And Bezos gets it because he once made a book company. Um, I, I, I mean, it's insane. And now he's the wealthiest man in the world and can literally buy nations if he wanted to. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And you know what thing about Bezos is? Is that other billionaires are trying to appear as if they're helping people like Elon Musk with his fucking submarines and his plan for Flint, Michigan... And Zuckerberg's foundation and Bill Gates' foundation, too. All of them are trying to appear as if they're trying to do the robber baron thing, right? Of philanthropy or whatever. Uh, But Bezos is not doing that. He is just straight up stacking up money as much as he can get. And doesn't appear to give a fuck about what anyone thinks. When did you last see an interview with Jeff Bezos? I don't know if I've ever seen an interview with Jeff Bezos. He doesn't talk on Twitter. He doesn't fucking give interviews. He doesn't, like, write anything he's just this silent uh um, i don't know like monument of to capitalism just stacking up money as as high as he can get it with no consequences and no attempts to give back or appear as if he's giving back you know yeah he's uh for anyone who's ever seen the hobbit trilogy he's kind of like smaug (laughs) as he's stacking up all this these golden riches sitting on it and then terrorizing people you know we do pretty much live in the Hobbit trilogy because it's the worst. It's the worst. 
Yeah. I saw someone make a... I saw someone make a fucking comparison the other day that was like comparing Lord of the Rings to Star Wars and it was like the original trilogy that everyone loves so Lord of the Rings and then the original Star Wars movies Mm -hmm. and it was like uh, the reboots that uh, people hope they don't fuck up and it's like this new Amazon Lord of the Rings show and then you know the the new um, Star Wars movies which aren't reboots but whatever Um, and then the last section was the trilogy that was hated at first but has become beloved and it was The Hobbit and the prequels and I agree that the prequels have actually become beloved among a lot of people on the internet, but I don't think I still see anybody who likes the Hobbit movies. No, there's no one out there standing for the fucking Hobbit films. Yeah, we all know what they were. They were cash grabs. They worked. I went and saw all of them. I mean, it should have been one movie. They made three. The book is like 250 pages. True. It's not three movies. I don't understand why they did it either. It's ridiculous. I, I would go. I would recommend watching uh, uh, what's her name, um, Lindsay Ellis on YouTube. She did a three part series about um the Hobbit movies, and the third episode of this of this short in particular is especially enlightening into how it fucked over the workers uh, at on New Zealand. Oh yeah, I've actually heard a lot about that about how they like they did a lot of weird, not that cool shit to the workers there well they they fucking they broke up the union right they busted up yeah. a, a union of new zealander uh like film people because they were they wouldn't meet their demands and then they also fucked over all the new zealand actors who played uh the dwarves in the movie they fucked them all over so bad that sucks man yeah it's like ridiculous and it wasn't even a good movie so it wasn't even worth it no it's fucking terrible oh i just want to point out real quick by the way i found out this week uh, that the uh, Maoist International Movement, our comrades yes. who love uh, Chairman Mao, uh, do like the Star Wars prequels. Good. Have you heard about this? I, I, I think I read an excerpt from what they were talking about. I want to read this excerpt real quick to you about uh, about this movie, uh, which is Attack of the Clones, is the one we're talking about, episode two. Uh, it's a pretty great excerpt. It says, uh, the politics of this movie is light, considering that the movie is about the empire's government leaders, secession, war, and contention between good and evil. Nonetheless, we give this movie a limited endorsement. There was not much to complain about politically in the first installments of Star Wars, which was both anti-fascist and anti-imperialist. The role of black characters and the Red Guard in key battles did not go unnoticed at MIM. In this movie, we learn that democracy is is the preferred government or endorsement of government. Wait, hold on. Sorry. In this movie, we learn that democracy is the preferred government of the good guys of the republic. Although the character's endorsement of democracy is rather shallow, like the uh, current understanding of democracy in the United States, the movie itself offers slightly more uh, analysis of democracy. The- <laughs> By the way, United States in this review is written United and then States, but the S is the dollar sign. Yes. I, dude, I love that shit. <laughs> Shout out to the Maoists. Dude, fucking solidarity with Maoists, bro. Fucking love Star Wars over there. I do miss the days of, of the United States with the, with the dollar sign and also United Snakes. That was pretty good, too. Mm, yeah, United Snakes is good. Good shit right there, man. Uh, good. When I, that's, that's, that's the middle school anti-American shit right there. Oh, yeah. The middle school anarchist. Oh, man. Um, 
so yeah, it's a uh, I I do um, and then also uh, recently I think Donald Trump uh did some more shit with LeBron right like he's constantly still talking shit about him or whatever and now Melania Trump's gotten involved saying she wants to visit the I Promise School. Yeah, and it's always funny when all this stuff happens because people are uh, always harking back to when Donald Trump first went office and Melania decided for her first lady initiative she wanted to end cyberbullying. <laughs> of all things, for this woman to choose is the thing that her husband is the biggest perpetrator of. Yeah. God, that's, that's yeah, he's, I don't know, he's fucking up. They're, he doesn't have as many fans as LeBron James does. I don't think so either. I'm sorry. I wonder um, if 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 uh, LeBron James will accept Melania's uh, offer. Yeah, we'll see. It it'd be a big thing to do, but it's also like you know, fuck her. Yeah, I feel like LeBron is the kind of guy who would be who would be the one to be like, no, fuck off. Yeah. All right. So we got we got another topic we can talk about. Okay. Uh, the Onion. Interesting. So did you hear about what happened with the Onion Union? Uh, break it down for me, Seth. Uh, I'll just read their statement. It's pretty. It's pretty short. They put this out on Twitter on the Onion Incorporated Union uh, Twitter account, saying that the Onion Incorporated Union would like to update our fawning readership about the departure of several beloved staffers and the Univision mandated budget cuts. We were able to demand and win a voluntary buyout that included 18 weeks of severance pay and benefits, rather than experience mandatory and voluntary layoffs. We were able to do so because all of the Onion Incorporated Union members came together to make and stand behind our demands. And because of the groundwork laid by the colleagues in the GMG Union during their previous buyout negotiations with the Univision management, the Unincorporated Union is grateful and thankful for the example as well as for the resilient guidance of the Writers Guild of America East. And all of our own achievements are a testament to the power of solidarity across unions. If the dipshit staff of the Unincorporated can come together to form a union and successfully negotiate a buyout package before we even before we even have a contract in place, other workplaces can do the same. Media is a volatile volatile industry, and media employees are vulnerable or more vulnerable than ever. The best way to protect ourselves and media as a whole is to unionize. Hell yes! Hot fire coming out of the union of the Onion Union. Dude, no kidding, right? fucking scorched earth in my opinion how they're like we did it you can do it too and we have to do it we don't have an option in this you have to unionize or we are going to be we are going to die there's not going to be any in between so here's a question for you that you might know but i I didn't figure it out did the onion union exist before this happened i actually don't know i imagine that it did i imagine they've always had some sort of a union because i mean obviously they're a they're pretty I wouldn't say leftist, but they're they're pretty progressive on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine they did have a union before this. Because um, it sounded like they said they didn't have contracts yet, which makes it seem like they unionized in response to this event, which would be pretty cool if they did. I don't know. Yeah, actually, either way. Them. And also the GMG mentioned to that. You know who that is? No. Gawker Media Group. Oh yeah, Gawker. Yeah, yeah, because they did the same thing. Yeah, they have a union. Uh, and they, they fucking managed to even negotiate with a Univision when they bought because they were killed by techno-vampire Peter Thiel with the assistance of Hulk Hogan. Yes. So looking on the Onion Union uh, Twitter account, they have existed since March of this year, so they probably are pretty new. Okay. But they've, well, you know they've made a lot of tweets and a lot of good stuff. More power to them for getting that shit done. 
and the I actually look at it on their Twitter. Their their pin tweet is it's official. Unincorporated incorporated groveling ungrateful staffers unionize. <laughs> The Onion Man, they they could all oh, they always know how to fucking uh, make shit funny, even even in today's uh, uh, times. No matter how they do yeah. it, what they do. But yeah, um, so that means that the Onion has uh, a union, which includes them, the AV Club, and Clickhole, um, which is the best website on the internet. True. Um, Vox Media has a union, and so does GMG. So mm-hmm. it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's it's uh it's very important. And I think. I mean, the only, the only problem I have with their statement is that it's not just media that needs to do this. It's every job ever. Yeah. No matter what industry you're in, you need to have a workers' union, and it needs to be it, – it just needs to be a thing. And I know there are a few people who are split on whether or not unions are revolutionary or not. I don't think they are um, on their own, but I think the important thing about having a union is it builds solidarity in a sense of, of – uh, shared struggle, you know, of class consciousness that will one day contribute to the revolution. So we can't overlook their power of of organizing workers and getting people ready and getting us used to the idea of this is our structure, this is our support we have for each other. And when the shit hits the fan, we can fall back on this thing, you know? Yeah. I'm just trying to get you to go to my job because we need one. Uh, it's tough to talk about though because people don't, you know, it's it's taboo. You can't talk about unions in in, in America anymore. Yeah, most people in America, especially workers, uh, they wanna they don't want to rock the boat, as you'd say. Yeah. Um, they think that you know, oh no, just uh, you know, make the fucking shitty salary you make and get treated like a piece of shit that you are. But at least you get to have a job and at least you get to make that shitty salary and get treated like shit. So I'm just gonna not say anything. But you know what? We're bringing socialism back. We're gonna bring unions back too. Yeah, we're bringing socialism back. <laughs> it's been it's been gone for a minute. I mean, it has. It used to be tab. You could not talk about socialism. People would look at you like you had two heads. It's crazy. It's true. It's. I mean, it's still hard to bring up. Um, even in more progressive circles. Oh yeah, so uh, you know, you're leftist, socialist, communist. They're like, whoa, whoa. We just want. We just want. Uh, Gay marriage. I'm like, you guys already got that. What do you? You got it. We need to do more. And so I don't know. I don't know what liberals and centrists want anymore. But like, if you bring up socialist policies without saying they're socialist, people almost always express support for them. Yeah, because it's you know, I mean, obviously, in my opinion, it's pretty easy to get behind. Yeah, it's people. You, you it's hard to argue. That's how we talked about last week with a uh, uh, Ocasio Cortez getting these like sexist attacks. It's because you can't argue against her policies. It's they're they're good policies. Yeah, I mean, and she's she's a great deflector. She knows, she knows that she has uh, some of the answers, and then the other guys don't. And she's good at lording that over them. Well, I wouldn't call her a deflector because deflecting is what politicians I mean, normally do. I meant what am I trying to say? She's good at absorbing. Maybe there you she go. doesn't she- deflect. She stays on track, is what it is. She doesn't get distracted. Yeah. She doesn't let herself get 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 uh, fucking bogged down into shit. Yeah. I meant just, that she deflects like the sexist comments. Like she's true. like, whatever. She does do that. She that's not important. Which is good. But uh, and so yeah, I think that um, I think that really the le- leftism is back on the rise. People, people are if you present present it as policies and not with in names. You get people used to the ideas, and you can slowly sort of insinuate, like, be like, hey, that's socialism. You know that, right? Like, what you want is socialism, and it's always been socialism that you want. 
Yeah. You just didn't know it, or you were brainwashed by the, by the, by the government into not wanting it because they're threatened. Because brainwashed the by the is, public school system. I mean, when I was in school, I learned that communism was pretty bad. Exactly. Like, I, like we've we discussed this several times. We learned that we 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 learned that communism is bad, and you shouldn't even think about it. Like, no. there's just communism is out. You shouldn't even consider it to be an option. Socialism, same thing. We have decided on capitalism. We've had capitalism for less than one percent of human existence, but it's the answer, and it's going to be the answer forever. Yeah, but by the time I was in school, and you, I believe, of course you were, the USSR had fallen. So now there wasn't even a, like a cap, a socialism, or like a communism is evil argument. It was communism failed. Yeah, communism was evil. Yeah, and then it fell apart because obviously it can't it can't compete with glorious capitalism. And you're like, now you're like, capitalism's also glorious, if you ask me. Yeah, it sucks. And uh, and also when you were in school. During, like, the one day you learn about Europe, right? The one day that we learn about, like, Denmark and Sweden. Did yeah. you also get them called welfare states? Yeah. Which, to like, that's, that sounds bad. It's supposed to sound bad to you. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, didn't, I never really understood it. But when you, when you were or, like, kid, why we were called that. And even then, you look at it, the policies that they're talking about, and it's like, oh, they pay for people's college and their, their housing and whatnot. And you're like... But that sounds good, though. Wait, so you mean these kids don't have to have a crippling amount of debt for most of their life? What? That sounds terrible. What? Who would ever want that? And they don't even tell you about the debt either, really, until yeah. until you get into college or whatever. It's like, oh, you got to pay for this. How are you going to do it? Well, don't worry. I got it it's all sorted out for you. Yeah, I talked loans. to a guy from Romania one time, um, and he was like, yeah, in Romania... All you do, you do an extra year of high school that is basically like your core classes for college that's still, you know, public and whatever, so you don't even have to pay for it. And then you go to college for like two to three years, and they give you your books and your room and board, and your tuitions cost a maximum of like $2,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So you, if, if even if you go into debt, it's like, you know, five dollars $6,000 of debt when you get out of college. See, that would be better. That's better what we have here. It's way better. Way better. I mean, I feel like um, people always say, oh, that works in Romania because Romania is small. Of course I can do that. And I think to myself, that's not true. We're bigger and we have way more shit than Romania does. Yeah, it should be easier for us. Right. And I mean, our population, for, for the size that America is geographically in terms of our money we, we have, is pretty fucking small. Like, China is about as big as us and they have three times the population. Yeah, India has three times the population, and they seem to be able to support them in some in, in in fashion. So why can't we? And the answer is the billionaires don't want them to. Yep, they that's how they make their money. money. They don't give. They don't. And here's the thing: they do not give a fuck about us. People need to get it through their heads. The capitalists do not care about you. They never have, and they never will. Yeah, they literally have no incentive to care about us. No. In fact, it's they're, they're, they're disincentivized from caring about us because it would hurt their bottom line. That's all that matters. And yeah, you know, one thing I learned that was interesting is that Marx himself did not have any animosity towards the capitalists. Because according to him, the, you, you should not, you know, uh, uh, feel or like, feel anger or hatred towards them because 
they are just as much victims of capitalism as you because all they're doing is acting within the system how the system dictates. So you can't fault a worker for having to, to sell their labor to survive, so you also shouldn't fault a capitalist for employing workers and exploiting them for their labor. So the problem isn't with the people, it's with the system. I'm not sure I agree with Marx on that one, but... We'll yeah, that, I, I do fundamentally it. disagree with Marx on that point, but, I mean, there, I mean, there is some truth to it, but still, I, I think that... Um, even if you're exploiting the system and becoming rich, you can still treat people better and also want a better system. Yeah, I feel like we are smart enough and we're, we're, we were all aware enough to know that what, what's going on is wrong. And if you don't do something about it, uh, at, when you're at the top level, if you, if you could, if you had the power to make change like, like LeBron James is, if you don't do that, then you are an enemy of, uh, you're in your class enemy. There's no way around it. Yep. I mean, Jeff, like I said, Jeff, Jeff Bezos is not doing anything to help people with all his money, so he does not deserve any breaks. Not that any of them really do, but especially not people who don't even pretend. And it's, we need to fucking, we need to do something about this shit. Yeah, I mean, for real, it's, it's, we, we've said it since day one of this podcast, we're really reaching a boiling point in this country. And I don't know how much longer the, the pot can stay. Yeah, man, it's uh, we're reaching a point uh, where people don't have shit and they can't pay for any new shit, and we're pretty sure the economy's about to head into a recession again, if not a depression. And when that happens, when people come up against not having anything and it being as bad as the fucking thirties were, we might start to see some fucking the, the the fucking shit pop off. It's true. I mean, did you see what happened yesterday in Portland? No. It was not an economic thing, but it was uh, uh, basically the Nazis came out to march. The Proud Boys were out, and Patriot Prayer and whatever were out to fucking march for whatever. Who knows? And Antifa showed up to oppose them, and there were street battles. And the cops opened up on Antifa, of course, because the cops are Nazis and will always support Nazis over over socialists or, or leftists or race, racial justice people every day. Do not think the cops will help you. They will not. And there was a fucking, there was a big fight. Awesome. And dude, there were fucking Antifa guys out there with, uh, with, uh, shields made out of halves of plastic barrels. And they had hammers and sickles painted on their helmets. Nice. Uh, and dude, the Antifa was like as armored as the cops were, dude. They weren't playing around out there. Yeah. Hey man. Antifa, I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying that they're the answer, but they got some, they got some answers. Yeah, I, I say will that. say that uh, Antifa is good. I like them. I think that we oh, need yeah. people out there who will push back against this shit because the cops ain't going to do it. Yeah, I love them. And we, the Illenials support Antifa. Oh, Illenials is 100% pro Antifa. Uh, uh, Antifa, come on the show. We'll talk to you. We'd love to get yeah, you. Yeah, if you're an Antifa member, for real, come on the show. It'd be awesome. We'd love to get you uh, out here to talk. Yeah. No names, of course. You would never want to put your name out there. Yeah. But yeah, if you choose to put your name out there, that's fine. But that's we won't true. Ask you to. I did see a great thing too. There was also a march happening of clowns uh, that were against the Nazis as well. Uh, not armed or anything, just kind of making a mockery of it, which is good too. We should make a mockery it, are of. Are these them. like actual professional circus clowns, or do people dress up as clowns? I think it was a mixture of the two. Okay, cool. There were some folks out there who looked pretty pro as fuck, and some who were just kind of like in clown costumes. Uh, but yeah, it's it like yeah, good. Make a mockery of them. They hate that shit. 
Do you remember this weird notion we had when we were growing up that you could go to clown school? I thought, can't you do that? I mean, yeah, you can, but it's not like, it's not a major option that tons of people go for, obviously. But it was just like, oh yeah, if you're a dumb kid, you have, you can't really uh, study that well, you're just going to go to clown college. <laughs> what? I, I, I've never seen one. Thank I've you. never been near one. I feel like it's an online program. <laughs> I don't know if it's real. How much skill could it take to be a clown? Hey, I'm not dissing clowns over here. We're going to get a lot of angry tweets from clowns over this no, one. Well, you are. <laughs> I, think, I think that being a clown is very skill labor. I've been to several circuses and I don't know if I could do it. That's so, true. good on those guys. That is true. I once I once went to a circus. Um, it was in like a stadium, but the like we were sitting in the top half, and it wasn't super full. One of the clowns came and sat like two seats over from us, and just watched the whole show. And then, like when it was his part, he just like ran onto the stage from the second floor. It was crazy. Hell yes. So yeah, cool cool guy. Kind of creepy, but cool. <laughs> That's the one problem with clowns is they're so associated with creepy shit that it's hard to get past that. Yes, you know things like Pennywise and uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space have kind of John kinda Wayne Gacy giving them the bad name. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Rough shit, dude. Um, well, you know, one day in 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 the so in the communist paradise we want to create, clowns will not have a stigma anymore. Clowns will be accepted as part of a uh, yeah. as part of a member of society. Clowns will be a protected class among all people. Of course, definitely. Uh, but I think that's the podcast. That's the podcast. We have done it. We did it again. Another week of the millennials in the bag. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Smith. If you can find me on Twitter, I'm at MCSurf. Uh, I'm on Twitter at LeBron James. I thought it was King James. I'm LeBron James, though. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, he's King James. Uh, our art is done by Marcus Barkley, who remains unknowable and ineffable. Yes, unseeable. <laughs> by ineffable, I mean infuckable. He, he, he cannot be fucked. Yeah, he, he, you try to fuck him, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Doesn't play it that way. Sorry, uh, sorry, ladies. Or dudes. Uh, I, I will plug, I would, used to plug Twitch. I haven't streamed in a while. I need to. Maybe one day again I'll find a game that's worth streaming. Maybe yeah. No Man's Sky. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I want to plug the film 8th Grade. If it's playing in your city, you should really check it out. Don't be deterred by the fact that it's about like a girl in middle school and might not be relatable to some people who are a little bit older. It's an insanely relatable film and it's very, very good. And it's it's a tight 90 minutes of good filmmaking. So nice. give it a try. I will plug uh, Sorry to Bother You, the album. Uh, go get it. It's out now. It's fucking good. It has a lot of good tracks on there. It's got people like uh, Killer Mike uh, and Janelle Monet on there. So yeah. give it a oh, shot. And then a big plug just goes out to Boots Riley for being a goddamn boss. Yeah. Every day of his fucking life. That man hates capitalism maybe more than we do. And... Hey, come on the podcast, Boots. I mean, given that Boots Riley is is like a hardcore, lifelong communist, I think yeah, he's got he's got way more cred than us. Yeah, he's got years on us. So. Definitely. Yeah, check out some interviews with this guy. He's very very smart. I really listen to all the Coos music. I'm listening to uh, party music from uh, 2001 right now. Fantastic shit, dude. Really good. Nice, nice. Um. So yeah, as always, uh, from New Orleans to New York. Fuck Kevin Durant and Tom Brady. Um, uh, you can lead a horse, horse to water, but it won't get under it. We've stopped trying to solve our problems and started trying to outlive them. And that's the podcast. That's the podcast. Y'all take it easy. Yeah.
Yep, later.